Turn to Exodus chapter 33. This morning in Sunday school class, we were in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we were talking about how a man who was serving the Lord, Elijah, was pursued by Jezebel, but he was also pursued by the Lord. And uh, he was pursued by the presence of God, he was pursued by the principles of God, and he was pursued because God has patience, he, the patience of God. And we talked about rest. We're talking about a few things in this short few uh, uh, sermons that we're going to have a chance to preach about revival. And you know, there needs to be, before there's revival, there needs to be some rest. Then there needs to be some renewal. Amen. You know, that's what revival means, is you take something that's dead and you bring it to life. And, and uh, I know sometimes in the service of the Lord, we get tired and we need some rest. There's also some times when serving the Lord, we get doing things and it, we're just doing it mechanically and we're not doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit and uh, we're not doing it, we're just doing it in the flesh. Right. Uh, a lot of times, uh, many places, churches have traded activity for spirituality. They feel like because they're busy, they're spiritual, that's not true. Right. And we also talked about there's two kinds of rest. There's a physical rest that you need, there's a spiritual rest that you need. And we need to get back to understanding that there's rest and then there's renewal before there's ever revival. Amen. We didn't have time to continue on, but after this, Elijah is going to go on and God is going to have him anoint the next king of Israel that's going to take care of Ahab and all of his wicked deeds. And uh, he's going to uh, start a revolution, a revival in, in the nation of Israel and kill off more people that worship Baal. And also he's going to find uh, Elisha his successor. And uh, uh, let me say this. Uh, I heard one preacher say there's no success without a successor. And you need to have someone that succeeds Amen. the other. Now, I know this church, uh, I'm not trying to scratch a wound, but I know that you had a tragic experience losing your last pastor. But, you know, there has to be someone that's a successor. Uh, many of us, when we go on, we want to leave someone men. We want to leave someone behind with our last name on them. And I've got a son, and my son has a son. And so passing on all the hopes of, uh, of, of continuing on my name, a successor to my name, rest on Griffin Alexander Mock, my only grandson. And, you know, you're going to have to have a successor, and Elijah found his successor in the, the next passages after what we did this morning. That's when the revival begins is when Jehu and Elisha comes on the scene. So I'm saying I want to continue on with rest, and I want us to look at the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. Are you there? All right, here we go. We're going to go to verse 12. Verse 12. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes when you're in service of the Lord, God gives you a big job, and he doesn't fill in all the details. And you're going to have to launch out there, and by faith, you're going to have to go and do what the Lord wants you to do. And that's what Moses found himself in. You want me to lead all this people. Now, remember, there are millions, four to six million Israelis tramping through the wilderness going to the promised land. And he says, you told me to do this, but you didn't say who's going to help me. And look at what this, he goes on to say. He says, yet, you've not told me, but yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Amen. I have that phrase underlined in my Bible. God knew Moses 
by name. Amen. And let me say this. God knows you. Amen. Not only does he know you, he knows you by name. None of that, he's got your address. He knows where you're living. He doesn't have your cell phone number. He doesn't need it, but he can call you anytime. We met a young woman, what, Joe, three weeks ago when we met Misty? Uh, maybe three weeks ago we were in Mississippi. We met this young lady. Her name is Misty. Her husband's Mark. We got three wonderful kids. And uh, uh, she's a, how old would you think, 40 maybe? She dropped dead today. Seizure, brain aneurysm, drop dead. You know, God can call you anytime. You had better be aware that he has ways of getting in touch with you. Because he knows you by name. He knows where you live and he's got your number. But he said, yet thou hast said unto me, I know thee by name. That's very important. And thou hast also found grace that, uh, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray thee, if, this is what Moses said, if I found grace in thy sight, Show me now thy way. Look at this, that I may know thee. It's one thing for God to know you by name, yeah. but it's another thing for you to know him. Amen. And that I might find grace in thy sight and consider this nation is thy people. Now, I want to say something. Uh, I've got three points. They start with peace. You'll know where I'm going. We're talking now about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and we need that, and we need to lean heavily upon that. Uh, we need to realize the fact that God knows us by name, but we also need to know that God wants us to know him. And you're not going to have revival until you yearn to know thee, that I may know thee. Amen. Until a Christian starts saying, Lord, that I might know thee, that's my quest, that's my goal. You're not going to get where God wants you to be. Now I want you to see something else. Verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. The second thing I want to talk to you about is the presence of God in your life. And I will give thee rest. And that's going to be the third thing that I want to talk about. Now rest means many things. We talked about rest this morning that's physical rest this morning that is spiritual but there's also a spiritual rest that you have in judges chapter 3 and verse 11 it said that the people after othniel was the judge they had rest from war for 40 years and rest from war means peace and what we're talking about here the third thing is the peace that you get with god Amen. you need to make peace with god there's an old phrase that I was growing up, you need to make peace with your maker. You need to make peace with your maker. And uh, there's a peace treaty to be signed with the Lord. Amen. And he's going to win that war. Amen. And the only way for you to get that peace is to surrender to the Lord. And if you're warring now with some things in your life, not giving them over to the Lord, even if perhaps you're warring tonight because you are not really, uh, have never given your heart and soul to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a conflict between you and God. And there'll be no rest for you, believer or non-believer, till you make peace with God and sign the peace treaty. Uh, there's a big thing going on now. You know, they're about to end the Korean War. My father was in Korea when I was born. Can you believe that? And we still haven't signed a peace treaty. Now, it's coming, I understand, 
And it's going to be a good thing to see that that's put together. And the world wants to see peace. But the world's not going to have peace because the world is in conflict with Jesus Christ. Amen. And the country is not going to have peace. We war amongst each other, and we don't have peace. Uh, you know, uh, the Bible says righteousness and peace. I believe in Psalms chapter 85. It's mercy and truth, and the other pair in that verse is righteousness and peace. And people march in the streets, and they say no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. That's not Bible. Righteousness is peace. Amen. You live righteous, peace follows. Right. Righteousness and then peace. The problem is they want justice and peace. Justice says, you've wronged me. Give me what I want. Righteousness says, God, I'm going to follow you. Don't give me what I deserve, but I'm sure seeking for peace. And I want some rest. And I'm going to tell you, there's times that I've seen where there's churches that have conflict in it. And they need rest. And they don't have peace with each other because they don't have peace with God. Amen. In our country today, as I said, we don't have peace with each other because we don't have peace with God. And there's no rest in the land. And there's no rest in these churches. And there's people today, and in their families, and in their marriages, there's no peace because the couple or the family is in conflict. And there's no rest in a situation where there's no peace. The ultimate goal I'm talking about here is a rest that is peace. Notice this, and I'll develop this more tomorrow night when we get into Matthew. But there's two kinds of rest. There's a rest given by God. That is salvation. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. There's also a rest that is found. And you find that rest when you serve the Lord. Three main things. I've already given you the points, haven't I? We're going to talk about this more in depth. Number one is a personal relationship. Amen. Number two is the presence of God in your life. And number three is peace or rest that you have in your life with God. I'm allowed to come down here because I saw you do it. I'm just doing what the pastor does. Get closer to my friends. I want to talk to you a little bit about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just that God knows you and knows you by name. I like the scripture that says, and whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I'm a whosoever. Now, if he'd have said Ted Mock, he'd have had to specify junior or senior. I'm a junior. And no matter what your name is, I would imagine in America where there's 330 million people, there's somebody else that's got your name. And what if God just knew you by name and called, if Ted Mock calls upon the name of the Lord? Well, that'd leave everybody out except for the Ted Mock he was talking about. And even I might be confused right. because I'm a junior. He yeah. could have been talking about my daddy. Right. And so instead, he said, whosoever. Amen. So salvation is a general call right. to all men. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, yeah. but that all should come to repentance. Amen. And God wants to see everyone come to know him. Right. But I want you to know, just like what Moses said here, he said, you know me by name. He said, God, you know me by name. Amen. 
I can take comfort in that because I'm a child of His. My God knows me by my name. My mother used to call us boys when we got in trouble. Yes, ma'am. Four if you're a junior. Ted Ellsmock Jr., you get in here! When she said that, we're not talking about the righteousness of God. We're talking about the judgment of Mama is about to fall. I tell everybody if they'd had child abuse laws when I was growing up, like they do now, my mama would have never died at the UT Medical Center. She'd have died in the pen. <laughs> Absolutely, and you didn't even know me. <laughs> now, young lady, when you get married one day, if you can find somebody that'll take you, she's picky. She's picky. Listen to these women that are married. They'll tell you all men are sorry. Just get one. And when you start having kids, switch your kids. Switch them. Switch your kids. And if you find somebody with better kids than you got, switch with them. Well, it's slow, but he got it. God knows you by name. My mother knew me by name. My daddy knew me by name. When he got back from Korea, he was so upset, she named me after him. And she said, well, I thought you was going to die in the war. He said, now you tag this kid and I'm alive. <laughs> He's going to go through life as a junior. And he said, I never did like my own name. But, you know, God knows me by name because I'm his child. And I'm going to tell you how that happened. I was in Mobile, Alabama. We were raised heathen. We weren't raised in church. We were heathen. Stacy, attention, this time for you to be amen. I was raised heathen. If we'd had tracks, we'd have been on the wrong side. And uh, my daddy was born in a dirt floor shack, cotton sharecropper's son, in 1930. And I'm going to tell you what, that's a heathen family we was born into. We didn't go to church. And we were so mean, the neighbor kids weren't allowed to play with us. And uh, my daddy's mother died, and it really broke him up because he knew she was in a place where he would never be because she was saved and he was lost. And uh, uh, long story on all that stuff, but it really broke my daddy up. And uh, I tell you, it was hard. And a neighbor lady tried to witness to us across the fence. She didn't get nowhere, but she sent her preacher, Wayne Crenshaw, by to visit our house. And I'm going to tell you something. You ought to be witnessing to your neighbor across the fence. And it would be good if you're going to witness to your neighbor across the fence for you not to live like the devil on your side of the fence. You ought to have a Christian testimony. And you ought to live for the Lord. And they ought not hear you cussing, and they ought not see you drinking, and they don't need to see you smoking like the world does. They need to see you living a different life, and I'm going to be talking about that in a minute. But she was a Christian test. I wish I could remember who that name, that woman was. I was privileged a few years back to preach the 50th anniversary in the church I got saved in. This was a brand new church. People were getting saved left and right. I don't talk about bus kids because we didn't have a bus, and they didn't do that back then, but I'm going to talk about it grown, wicked sinners. Wayne Crenshaw kept over and badgering my folks, and finally they came to church. 
And for the first time ever in a Sunday school class, I heard the gospel that Jesus loved me. Amen. Jesus died for me, and Jesus wanted me to be his child. But she didn't give an invitation, and I didn't know enough about it how to get saved for anything. A couple of weeks later, Wayne Crenshaw is preaching hot and heavy on a Sunday morning. And for the first time ever, I heard the Holy Spirit of God speak to me. And he called me by name. And I knew he was talking to me. And I did not hear with these ears. I heard with my spiritual ears. And the Lord called me to himself. And I went forward and on this side of the auditorium, I bowed my head and as best I knew how as I was crying out as a nine-year-old boy, almost ten years old, asking God as best I knew how to forgive me of my sins to come into my heart and save me. And I didn't say it like that. I even prayed a theologically incorrect prayer. It was a terrible thing. I didn't know it, so it wasn't too terrible at the time. It was later on when a Baptist preacher told me I had an incorrect prayer. You know what happened? I was so glad he called me by my yeah, name. He was even more glad that I came. You need to make sure that the Lord knows you by name. From that day forward, my life was never the same. Two weeks later, my daddy got saved. I always say he got the double dose. My daddy did get the double dose. I found out some things in preparation for that sermon when I was preaching at that church that time. And I called Wayne Crenshaw. Wayne Crenshaw's way up into his 80s, and he's talking to me. And he told me stuff I didn't even know. And we used to have so many people saved in that church, and there's right now probably 30 people in the ministry that he could name that still in the ministry today that got saved in the church. Man, what a great time. He said... They were coming down the aisle. I didn't have enough people to work with them at the altar. I got down to your daddy, led him to the Lord, and I got up and he named the guy's name. He said he was coming down the road, uh, the, the aisle. And he told my daddy, he says, tell him what you just did. I didn't know this, but just minutes after my daddy was saved, he was down here leading somebody to the Lord. That'll help you. And you might not think it made anything, but that man got his life straightened out, and his son later becomes the president of a Bible college. Amen. Yes, CBC, Cajun Bible College. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, y'all stay back there. You can stay back there. You got, you, man, Lord doesn't give me my cell phone. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I, I'm preaching, and I, I had uh, talked to Wayne Crenshaw, Joe Tay on the phone, and, and I, I said, this is why I remembered this really happened. Yes, and then he'd fill in extra the story. Then I called another guy, Ronald Sullivan, Corky Sullivan, who pastored that church after him. And see, my daddy took over the youth department, and then he went to Bible college. And when he went to Bible college, he had about six of his teenagers follow him to Bible college. And then two of them were in that service that day, and the Littons had just come back, and they were going to teach in a Christian school. I mean, it's just a great time. And afterwards, they're telling stories I hadn't even heard about how the Spirit of God was working in that place. And you know what made the difference? brings me to my second point, not only having a personal relationship, but you need to start pursuing God, and you need to start on a quest to know Him. Amen. That's good. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. He said, you said, you know, be my name, but I want to know Thee. And there needs to be a desire for you to draw closer to the Lord. Amen. That is a mark of true salvation when you have a desire to draw close to the Lord. 
the mark of salvation is not that you live a sinlessly perfect life. But there is a mark of salvation that you have a desire to follow after the things of God. Amen. And you know what? When you do wrong and you get off course, when God is drawing you back to himself, that's the mark of salvation. Amen. Now I'm going to say that not only is it a personal relationship, but there also needs to be the presence of God in your life. And he said this to Moses. I'm not going to tell you who's going with you. I'm not giving you all the details. This is all you need. My presence will go before you and show you the way. You stay close to the Lord, you won't get off track. Amen. You listen to me. When you talk to Enrique again, you need to be listening to the Lord, not listening to what that Hispanic, good-looking boy is telling you. Do you hear me? Because he's lying to you. Whatever boy says to you, he's lying to you. Your daddy already had this talk with you, hadn't he? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I've known her since she's like one, so... It's okay, I'm allowed to do that, aren't I? And uh, the presence of God goes before you and shows you the way. If you seek God's face, you won't get messed up in the wrong marriage. I'll just preach. Who else here is single? You're single. Okay, I see that hand. Yes, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> My mama called me one time. She said, I need to talk to you about something, son. My daddy's gone past what. So what is it, Mom? Well, it's personal. I just gotta wait till you get home. So I get home. What's wrong with mom? You know, the doctor giving her bad news. What's wrong? So I go over to her little apartment. Pomeranian yapping at my heels, want to kick that dog. And uh, I said, what is it, Mom? Well, you know, I ride the bus to rehab. She goes to cardiac rehab. And there's a man that's been sitting by me. And he held my hand. And is it okay with you if I start seeing him. I said, Mama, if it makes you happy, that's fine. Well, he's down here in the rib rehab place. Can you take me to? <laughs> Words that come out of your mouth. You never thought you'd hear yourself say, yes, Mom, I'll take you to the rehab place to see your boyfriend. <laughs> but she did say he has a boat in a lake house. Yeah, I'm for him, Mom. <laughs> I love this man, ain't even never met him. But you know, you can get messed up if you don't follow the will of the Lord. You get out of the will of the Lord, and if you don't follow his presence, and here Moses is going to lead these people, and it's going to turn out to be a 40-year journey through the wilderness. And you know what? It was most important for him to know that the presence of the yeah. Lord was going with him. And I'm going to tell you, the most important thing in your life is to know that the presence of the Lord is with you. That's right. And if the Lord ain't with you, don't go that way. I don't care how much money you, he lies and tells you he's got. I got some Cajun friends. We'll send them down there to Mission, Texas. And I know some Cajuns. And them Cajuns will take care of business down there. 
and you won't even have to pay him $20. And your daddy won't have to go to jail. And Cajuns aren't afraid. They've been to jail before. It don't bother them. Did I say that? <laughs> I got buddies that are Cajuns. Okay. I'm afraid to look at him. Look at this, verse 14, and he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I'll give thee rest. And that talks about the peace of God. You know, the day that I got saved, I made peace with God, and I had rest. And that's the rest given. Tomorrow night, I'm going to talk about a rest found. The rest given, the rest found. We'll be booking in the book of Matthew and maybe read some scriptures over in Hebrews. But I want to say this right now about that. You need to get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And then you need to know that the presence of God is real in your life. And those two things will work on both of those kinds of rest. The rest given, which is peace with God. Right. Read Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We now have peace and access. Amen. And that's good stuff. Amen. Because you got peace and because he calls you by name and you're his child, you can talk to your daddy because yeah, you've got access. Yeah, and that gives me the rest that I find. And I find rest in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, I find rest in the personal relationship that I have with him. Yeah, and that is the peace that I'm talking about. But I want to deal with more, one more thing. I've got a few minutes. Verse 15, and he saith unto him, this is Moses speaking, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. He said it would be better for us to live the rest of the time in the wilderness than to go to the promised land without your presence. The thing you need to seek after most is the presence of the Lord. And if the Lord's not there with you, don't go any further. Follow the Lord. Let his presence be real. Get thirsting after the Lord for you follow hard after him. Get to the point where you say, Lord, if you're not going to go with me, I don't want to go. I don't care if you move into a Hollywood mansion. Lord, if you're not going to be there, I'll stay right here in my old home. I want you to look at this in verse 16. Wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? How's it going to be known that we've got grace in your sight, Lord? Look at this. It is, is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. I'm going to meddle a little bit, Pastor. The presence of the Lord is what makes us separated. Amen. And if you don't live a separated life, the presence of the Lord is not real in your Christian walk. Amen. You say what you want to. You can say, Brother Ted, but I'm a new Christian. Good. The Lord will teach you some standards. Till that time, get some from your pastor and borrow them till you get your own. But the presence of the Lord produces separation from the rest of the world. Amen. We're never going to win the world by being like That's the right. world. That's right. If you go into the grocery store and you see the beer aisle, you'll see Bud and you'll see Bud Light. Most of our churches today, you go to them and you're looking outside the church and you're seeing world, and inside the church you see world light. 
and you stand in front of the beer and you see Bud and Bud Light, this may be light, but it is still beer. And you go out there and you see this is world and a church that's gone a different direction is world light, it's still world. And you cannot reach a lost and dying world by being worldly yourself. It is the presence of God that makes you separate. There goes Brother Mock. He's preaching on how I dress. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You ought to dress like a Christian. You ought to look like a Christian. You ought to talk like a Christian. You ought to smell like a Christian. You need to go places Christians go. And if someone was to bite you, you ought to taste like a Christian. (laughs) I'm serious about that. I am tired of people acting like the world and naming the name of Christ. One of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. He said, You've said to me that you know me by name, and I want to know thee. I want to know who you are, God. I want to know who you are, Lord. If you take the name of Christ and call yourself a Christian, and you act like the world, you are taking the name of the Lord in vain. And no church will ever have any power till they get the presence of God in the church and it separates them from the world. Now I'm going to make another statement here. Are you ready for this? If all your Christian walk is is about keeping a list, do this, don't do that, got to go to church, got to go to do this, got to go on visitation, got to get to mission, got to wear this, can't wear that, can't go here, can't do that. If that is your list, and you're living a Christian life by a list, you're going to be nothing but miserable your whole life. You want to make your life simple and have rest? Serve one master. He'll give you the list. And you won't be living a list, you'll be living a life. I'm going to tell you something, you need to have standards that are high. I believe your standards ought to be high. I believe that a Christian ought to be the best worker on the job. I don't think we ought to be lazy. Christians ought not be lazy. They need to be workers. They need to be women. You want to find out what you need to be? Go to Proverbs chapter 31. That's right. Well, that's what the Bible talks about. If you want your husband to look at you like that. There's other verses. Why don't I keep looking at her? (laughs) Found out today about Enrique. Close my mind. She ain't met him yet. Somebody good will come along sooner or later. That's what I'm saying. Enrique. What about a James? Bob. (laughs) Boudreaux. Anything. (laughs) Surely they know some of them Thibodeau boys. I don't know. Stick with Enrique. (laughs) I know, and y'all are getting me sidetracked. I got to quit this. It's terrible life, isn't it? The presence of God is what makes you different. And if you don't see a difference of separation in your life, you don't have the presence of God. That's Bible. I'm going to tell you something. You need standards that are high. 
And like I said, you need to look like, act like, smell like, taste like, all these things like a Christian ought to. If you don't know how a Christian really ought to act, go down and find some lost sinner to bar or something. Say, let me ask you a question. Uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm thinking about going here or doing this. Do you think a Christian ought to do that? They know what a Christian Amen. ought to do, and they know what a Christian ought not do. Don't take the name of the Lord. In, you need to have high standards. If all your Christian life is about keeping a list, you will be nothing but miserable because people will keep adding to your list. Your standards need to be high. But listen to this very carefully. If your compassion does not run just as deep for people as your standards are high, if all you have is high standards, you're going to be nothing but obnoxious. And I've seen too many obnoxious Christians. You want to quit that? Have some compassion. Amen. Jesus ate with sinners. Right. Jesus ate with publicans. Right. Not to be like them, right. but to win them. Amen. And it shouldn't be that no one is unwelcome in the house of God. That's right. Now, I understand, but we need to have some compassion. There's a lack of compassion. People don't see that there's lost people all around this place. I like coming to church. I like having a good time around the things of the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. But the importance of this church and the effect of this church will never be judged by what you see inside these four walls. Amen. It's going to be what kind of influence does this church have outside these walls. Amen. If you want true revival, you're going to have to make sure that you know that you're saved, a personal relationship Amen. with Jesus Christ. If you want revival, you're going to have to really seek the presence of God in your life because that's what makes you different. It's not all this touch, not taste, not do not, but if the presence of God is there, it'll be evident on you Amen. and in your church. Amen. And you need to make peace with God and quit having war with God over what you ought to do. Follow his way. I want to close with something because I've got five minutes and the Lord said unto Moses, verse 17, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and there it is again, I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, Moses, show me thy glory. 